How's that? Is that better? Is that working? No? 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 Not working? Well, the little lights on. How's that? Is that working now? So what's up with the front row here? Look at this. You guys are all totally in the spit zone, and the whole thing is full except over there. I can't believe this. Well, I, you, you guys know better. So this ain't my first time, so. Yeah, but nobody sits in the front when I preach. Unless they wear an umbrella or something. Anyway. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's starting to get gross, and I haven't even started yet. Okay. Nothing like a good cup of coffee. That is nothing like... I'm just kidding. That's good. We're going to start in 1 Corinthians this morning. We're going to start a whole new book. And uh, it's going to be pretty cool. We're going to... We're going to work through this book, and whenever Pastor Zeke is not here, whoever is going to be standing in for him is going to be teaching, and we're going to be continuous throughout this book. And so it's going to be different teachers, same spirit. And so it's going to be pretty cool. It's going to be real interesting how God's going to set this up, because he is obviously doing it. So let's pray. Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we just want to... uh, give you this time lord we pray that you'll move in a mighty way here by your spirit father we know that you're moving here already and that your presence is among us that you're moving here this morning father and we just pray that you'll open our hearts up to receive from you now lord that uh that it'll just be all you lord that we can truly get our eyes on you and that people can make a decision to to walk with you to know you to desire you and and that their lives can be changed today father please move in a mighty way here We just pray you'll have your way and that this will be all you and that you be glorified here. Please move and touch and and anoint your word and that you be glorified in all we do and say here in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 1 Corinthians. This letter was written around 56 AD. It was written um, by the Apostle Paul because of some inquiries and some things that the church in Corinth was doing. and, and some things that was going on with them. Uh, he wrote it in, from Ephesus. It was when he was on his third missionary journey, and he moved up. And so he held up in, in Ephesus for a while. And, uh, so, um, and he was there for about three years or so, and this was probably written close to the end of that three years. You remember when he was in Ephesus, and as he was getting set, he'd been there for a while and stuff, and then all of a sudden... The silversmiths there and stuff got upset because the little idols, their their little silver idols and stuff to the goddess Diana, the the sales was diminishing and stuff. So, in you know the for commerce reasons and that kind of stuff, they started a big riot and they were going to try to kill him and all this kind of stuff and get people getting beat up and everything. And he had to hot foot it out of town and get out of there before people. And then the the they kind of got him settled down and mellowed out and he moved up into macedonia but before all that happened is when he wrote this letter um 
And so um, the, uh, the whole, when he, he came uh, when, on his second missionary journey, when he was, um, he was up in Greece and he was in Athens, and he was at the, he did his famous sermon at the Ariel, uh, uh, Areopagus. I, I keep trying to say it a different way, and I, you know, Pastor Zeke tells me he makes little notes and still messes things up, and I, it's like I can totally see that because I, I had that in my head. I was even sitting over there going, Areopagus, Areopagus, and I still messed it up. But anyways, um, after that famous sermon that he gave at the Oropagus and stuff, and then he, he went down into Corinth and he got hooked up with Aquila and Priscilla who were tent makers. All of this is in Acts 18. And um, so he became, uh, and, and Aquila and Priscilla were on exile from uh, Rome because Claudius decided that he was going to you know, cleanse Rome of all Jews. And so they were kicked out. And uh, him being a tent maker, he got hooked up with these guys. And so he was hanging with them and he was making tents and stuff. And then he was also being a rabbi, was able to go in and teach in the synagogue. And then Silas and Timothy come into town. And so then he was compelled to start preaching that Jesus is the Messiah when he went to the temple. And of course, the Jews got upset about that and they told him to get out of here. And so he said, OK, that's cool. I'll get out of here. I'm going to go over and I'm going to check out and see the uh, Gentiles and I'm going to start telling them the gospel and that kind of stuff. And so being the kind of guy he was, he went and moved into a house that was right next to the synagogue. And then Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, got saved. And so he was hanging out there for about a year and a half, and people were getting saved, and the Gentiles, the Spirit of God was moving through, you know, with the Gentiles and stuff and everything. Finally, the Jews had had enough, and they're going, you know what? We're sick of this guy. So they uh, took him before the, pro, the Roman proconsul, which was, his name was Gallio, and they took him up there, and they started... Uh, charging him with some kind of uh, wrongdoing or whatever. And Gallio is one of these guys who's like going, so what kind of a crime has he committed? Is he like rob somebody? Did he kill somebody? Did he do something bad? And they're going, no, he's teaching something other than what our religion says. And he goes, I don't care about that. You guys get out of here. So he run them off. Well, they got really upset. And so there was a guy named Sothenes who was the head of the synagogue at that time and so they decided to beat him up in front of the, the uh, um, <clears throat> in front of the judgment seat of Gallio, and he didn't care. He said, well, "Go ahead and beat him up. I don't care." And so why they did that, I'm not sure. You know, um, it's 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 an interesting uh, note that they kind of make about this, and it says in the New King James that the Greeks beat him up, but it also says that in the older translations they did. So there's some speculation as to exactly why or who actually did this. And, and uh, is it that he wound up agreeing with Paul or did he per- try to protect him? Or maybe he, you know, the Greeks were upset because they were all saved. And this isn't exactly a Christian thing to do. But since they hauled their guy up that they really liked, so they beat him up because they said, don't do that again, which, you know, this is kind of strange. And I don't think Christians would do that. And so probably the fact that 
that, um, and this happened in Ephesus, what happened when, when everybody was in the, the uh, Colosseum thing they had there, and, and they were all like, you know, they wanted to, they were praising the goddess of Diana, the goddess Diana and all that stuff, and finally the city clerk went in there and he says, all right, you guys, settle down, shut up, and stop this, because Rome is going to come down here and want to know why this is going on, and everyone just shut up and stop, because the last thing in the world you want to do is to have the Romans come into town and start making inquiries, and then heads roll, people go away, people disappear, things, bad things happen when the Romans would come. And probably what this was, was, you know what, stop going before the pro, pro-council over some religious issue, because if Roman, Rome gets an ear for this thing, and they come down here and want to know what's going on, then all of a sudden our freedoms are going to be restricted. So most likely that's why you got thumped. But anyways, that's what happened to the poor guy. And so we'll talk about him in a little while. And so Paul then splits from this town and and goes through Ephesus just for a little bit of time and returns to Caesarea. And then on his third missionary journey, lands in Ephesus and writes this letter. And so now we're going to start with the first verse. And we'll be in the first verse for a while. But it's cool. We'll still move around in the word here. But... um, First uh, Corinthians chapter one, verse one says, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother. And yeah, you recognize that name. We'll talk about him in a second. Um, <clears throat> it says Paul called to be an apostle. Now, the, um, the literal translation here is he's a called apostle. And that, that just is really interesting to me because we all like to kind of say we have a calling and that God gives us a calling or whatever. It's not really that way with Paul. He was a called apostle. And we're going to look at his conversion here. It was in Acts chapter 9. And we're going to move over there and look at this. But um, his, his calling... And his um, conversion is really radical. And, um, and as we look at this kind of thing, we're going to kind of examine, you know, what happened to him here and where he wound up at. And then we're going to examine our own calling as it is and see if we're not in the same boat because I really think that we have the same call. And I don't think we have to search around real heavy to find out what our call is and where God wants us and what we're supposed to be doing and that sort of thing. I think what we really come down to is, am I going to make myself available to be used by God in how He wants to use me? Is that really where it's at? And am I comfortable with doing that? This is the important part. And we're going to examine this. But in Acts chapter 9, we'll read through it here. And it says, Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard to kick against the goads. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. 
Then the men who were journey, whom journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus, and he was three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Literally, he's a called apostle. Saul was still making threats to the disciples of the Lord, and uh, so he got letters to go to Damascus and bring Christians back to Jerusalem for prosecution. And as he was going, this light shone around him. And so then, and, and Jesus asked him, why are you persecuting me? He, had, he, he believed in God. He had a 100% zeal here to cleanse the world of this cult to further Judaism and protect it. That was his whole thing. And so when he was knocked to the ground and the light shone and he said, and Jesus is going, why are you persecuting me? What's going on here? How come you're doing this to me? And this is important for us to realize this. This is part, when we get into this kind of an area, this is when it's important to realize that when God says vengeance is mine, that's because the things that people do is against him, it's not against us. This is a real warning for those like ISIS and our atheistic government and stuff when they move against the things and the people of God. When, when those kinds of things are going on, this is when they're persecuting Him. And that's why these people can stand in the place and they can say you know, that, that they stand for Christ because they know and understand that it's Him that they're attacking. And he knows that full well and he gives them the ability to deal with whatever it is that comes their way. And so as, as um, we see this, this is, this is a reminder. And remember that as you fall into persecution, and you will, that's a guarantee. If you stand for your faith and you're vocal about it and you stand, you don't have to really you know, be preaching from the street corner. It's going to come to you. It's going to come. But as it comes, and you're going to understand that people are going to mock you or, or worse, as we've seen recently, that we, you see this coming, you know that it's him that they're going after. And, uh, and he's the one that's taking it. And so he's going to be protecting us in the middle. And we're not alone in this. We never are, we never will be. And he's always got our back and he's always protecting us and taking care of us no matter what. Always remember that they may be able to kill your body, but they can't steal your soul. And they can't take that away. So to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord no matter what. And we have that hope that goes beyond this world. It's not something that we always want to concentrate on and think about all the time, but it is the reality. Of, and especially now, as we're going into a, a more and more corrupt world, we see this. So Paul asks, who are you, Lord? And he says, I'm Jesus, who you persecuted. And he goes, things are going to go bad for you if you keep resisting. I'll make sure that, I, that you guys understand, too, that I use the Amplified as my backdrop for this stuff. So when I bring some clarity here, that's where that generally comes from. So, you know, you don't think that I'm like super intelligent and I just know that stuff. I read it. But anyways, <coughs> I wrote it down here so I could read it to you. So anyways, um, so he was struck blind, uh, led into Damascus, and he hung out there for about three days. And so there was a guy named Ananias that was living in Damascus. And he had a vision. 
And God told him, hey, I want you to go and lay hands on Saul of Tarsus because he's going to take the gospel to the Gentiles. He lived in Damascus. He knew that Saul was coming. He knew that it was him that he was after and that any Christian there, he was coming for him. It would be as if he was in Syria and he came to a guy and said, I want you to go lay hands on the head of ISIS and, 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 tell, and, and tell him that he is going to bring the, the gospel to all the nations. This is the exact same thing. This guy was here to kill him. And it would be the same as if it's in the Middle East, what's going on right now. It's the same kind of mentality. Because, you know, and this guy had just as much fear as anyone has when ISIS is right outside of the village and he knows they're there. It's the same exact thing. And Ananias was in this position. He knew exactly what was going on here. And he's like, are you sure about this? I mean, come on. You know, and he goes, no. And look at verse 15 and 16 in Acts 9. He says, what the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine, to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. There it is right there. A, he's a called apostle. He, he, he is, you know, an apostle. And he was called to do that. Even before he was even knew it, it, it was an instantaneous thing. In fact, when he went in to, to see Saul and laid hands on him and stuff, he regained his sight, and within a few days, he was already preaching the gospel in the synagogue. It was bland that fast. He stayed there for a number of years, too, in Damascus, they think, and, and that sort of thing. A radical calling. A radical calling. Knocked down in the dirt, light shining, struck blind, and said, this is what you're going to do. Man, I'm glad that didn't happen to me, man. I'd be all tripping and freaking out, you know. You get all of a sudden this whole thing, you know, wind up, you know, just... You know, I kind of like it that it's really smooth and mellow. And then, back in our text, though, in that same verse, he says, and he's greeting them with Sothenes, our brother. Well, you remember Sothenes. He's the dude that got beat up, they think. You know, it could be. Maybe it's another Sosthenes. I think it's kind of strange that he would mention him, especially since Luke mentioned him in Acts. I think that the, the correspondent is probably the same guy. But one guy I wanted to say that maybe that was a second name for Crispus or something like that. And, and so it's the same guy and all that kind of stuff, which, you know, Crispus and Sosthenes sounds exactly the same. And so I can see how you could, you know, get that confused or whatever. You know, I think that Crispus was obviously the Jews, you know, booted him when he got saved. And so they put a new guy in there and then he got thumped and then he got saved. And then he went on the road with Paul. But the tradition is, is that Crispus um, was martyred for this faith. And um, as, as a lot of these people are. And so <clears throat> another radical calling upon a man's life. And so when I was looking at this, and I was trying to, you know, kind of wrap my head around what it means to get saved, what it means to have a calling, you know. And a lot of times we like to talk that way, that, that, that God's going to call us. And that, and that I'm just waiting for it. Man, I'm ready. God, just use me. And so, 
I'm just here, you know. Well, you know, with these guys, it was like, you know, one guy gets thumped, the other guy gets struck blind, and, and all this kind of stuff, and all these things are happening and everything. And I think our calling is all the same, pretty much. We're called to share the gospel of Christ with this dead world. That's our calling. And wherever we're supposed to be at is where, um, you know, we're supposed to do that. And so we're supposed to be open and willing to be used by him, but we're supposed to move in faith and share according to how God desires us to share where it is that we're at at this moment in time. And that's where I think our real calling is here. Um, and so when, uh, when Lori and I first um, uh, encountered the Lord, it was back in 79, we went to a concert um, at the um, uh, Calvary of Costa Mesa. And um, we uh, uh, had an emotional experience there. We went forward and we, we said the prayer and everything at the end. And then we went home and we smoked a joint and thought about what it was that we did. And then uh, we just went on with life. Everything was exactly the same. Did I get saved? No. I don't think so. I don't think that just saying that prayer really, because there was no change. I think that I went through the motions and I said something, but um, I don't think it, it didn't have any effect on my life. There was nothing different. We just went on down the road just as if nothing had happened at all. All I did was just spend a night there and that evening and then we went on down the road. You know. Well, Lori's sisters are... 11 months apart, you know, and so her mom was Mormon and they were supposed to have lots of kids and her dad was Catholic and I think that at the time that, you know, probably that rhythm method of contraception was in place and so obviously that didn't work. So anyways, they're 11 months apart. They're just, you know, like her, her sis, one sister's in, in February and then the next one is in March. Well, in, when her, this was in 1980, when we went to her one sister's party, we brought all kinds of beer and stuff and everything. It was a nasty, drunken d disaster. It was horrible. Um, you know, we didn't know it at the time, but it was. Um, and so it was just bad. And so the next, the next, in the next month, when we went to her other sister's party, we brought, you know, fruit punch and we gave her a Bible for, you know, her... <laughs> Her birthday present and everything and stuff and and uh, everything changed, you know. I couldn't, I didn't have any friends, and I couldn't even find anybody that would sell me pot. And if anybody saw me, they ran away because that's the only thing I was interested in. And I didn't even know I had a drug problem at the time. It was just ridiculous. And so, um, but. That we went, I think we must have went to one of them concerts because the next day when we got up, I had two guys calling me trying to sell me pot. You know, it was like that fast. Satan was like going, okay, we're going to get you back where you belong, you know. But I knew where I belonged because I got saved for real this time. And everything changed. We went and we got this pamphlet from uh, Big Calvary down there with the, 
about end times and stuff. So we went up and we went up to see Lori's dad and we like totally accosted him with this pamphlet, man. We're just like beating on him with it. You gotta get saved. Look at this. He's just like, oh, get away from me. We were just like attacking everybody that we saw. We were just like, you know, just jumping on people and stuff and everything. It was crazy. You know, we started going to church and we started going to Bible studies and we landed at Calvary of Ontario before it became Chino Valley. And so we got involved in the ministries and then we started tithing. You know, trip, right? Put your money where your mouth is. You know, really actually take cash out of your wallet and give it to the church. How weird is that? That is a total change right there. And that is complete obedience. The word tells us we're supposed to do that. But that was just crazy, you know. And everybody was thinking, oh, family and stuff, thought we were losing it and stuff. But it's been 35 years, so it's probably going to stick. <clears throat> but um, it was a radical change, a radical calling. If you have gotten saved, you are of the same in the same position that the apostle Paul was in. There is no difference for you than that, and there is no difference in your salvation, your calling, whatever it is that God has on your life. There is no difference than what it is for His. It's exactly the same. Turn over to Second Corinthians chapter six. <clears throat> Second Corinthians chapter six. I promised somebody I wasn't going to preach today, but that probably uh, too late for that, right? <clears throat> Look at this. This is cool. The things he talks about here and what's going on here is ours, and we can own these. This isn't for some spe- he he makes it gives a description of his ministry here. But every one of these things we can own. And every one of these things is evident and real in our lives. And, and, we can, and, and this is where God is bringing us to, is to use us in this, ma- in this manner. These kind of things that we can hold on to. So as, you're, as we're reading through this, personalize this stuff and understand that in, in fact God is going to, you know, he's already doing this in your life. This is already yours. He's just kind of laying out his ministry, how things are affecting him and his life, but it's really no different than any saved person, any Christian, and their walk with him. This is common. This is not unusual. Because he starts right off and says, We then, as workers together with him, also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, In an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the days of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We give no offense in anything that our ministry may not be blamed, but in all things we commend ourselves as ministers of God in much patience and tribulations and needs and distresses, in stripes and imprisonments and tumults and labors, in sleeplessness and fastings, by purity, not by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love, 
excuse me, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well known, as dying and behold we live, as chastened, chastened and yet not killed, as sorrowful, as yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing all things. O Corinthians, we have spoken openly to you. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted by your own affections. Now in return for the same I speak, as to children, you also be open. Again, we'll use the Amplified for clarity here. He says, laboring together as God's fellow workers. We are working together as God's fellow workers. And he pleads, check this out. He pleads not to receive the grace of God in vain. Check this out. And this is the way that they bring it out here. That merciful kindness by which God exerts his holy influence on souls turns them to Christ, keeping and strengthening them. Do not receive it to no purpose. I did that. I did that very thing. I, I said that prayer, and I looked at that. I looked at God right in the face when He brought that to me. And I took it as no purpose and I cast it off as nothing. And I went right back to the same old garbage life that I was living and stayed in it for a year before, he fin- before I finally came around to the point to where he could then bring me to that point of, point of salvation. But I ignored that and walked away from it. Please understand that God is not mocked And I can't ever get into a position here to where I can take those things or I knew it and I walked away from it and it is of no purpose. And there is no evidence then of Him in my life. Beware of this. A prayer isn't going to save you in this manner. Because I've got to have it. Believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth. That belief is to grasp on, to rely on, trust in. It isn't just something that's fleeting and passing. And I'm not gaining fire insurance and staying in my silly life. It doesn't work that way. I can't stay like that. I have got to take this to heart and make it real. And then these things line up and then I can begin to understand when he begins to explain what's going on here, I can grasp that and make these mine and they're real. And he can use me in that manner. But Lord, I did all these killer things in in your name and he says, I never knew you. How is that possible? That's how it is right there. Because I took that grace and made it of no purpose. And it is the most horrible position to be in because you have come to the face of God and you have turned and walked away and rejected that. That's why our calling is so radical. That's why you're no different. When you got saved, you were no different than the Apostle Paul. Okay, so literally he got knocked down on the ground and the light shone around him and he was struck blind. Praise God, the light showed around us and our eyes were open and we could see. And and then we really knew the reality of Christ 
And then when it comes down to merciful kindness that then in God's holy influence and, and keeping us and strong in him, then it's a reality and that is ours. And so as we move into then, you know, and look at, look at the rest of this, just at the right time, I heard you on the day of salvation. I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. Now it is here. It's time to start walking. If it's time to rededicate or it's time for a true conversion. If you've come up to the brink but you haven't made that step, now is today is the day of salvation. Don't leave this place until you have received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Don't do that. Because you have looked God in the face and He is talking to you right now. No, I'm not Him, but don't get weird on me. But... <clears throat> He is bringing it home to you right now. Today is the day of salvation. Do not leave here. His Spirit is pleading with you. He has come to you, and you are now face to face with Him. And if you leave here without Christ, then you have taken the things of God and made them of no purpose. Be careful with that. So he goes into a ministry list. And he talks about endurance, tribulations and sufferings, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless watching, hunger. Oh, come on, man. You know, I never got beat up for that, you know, and stuff. Well, a few weeks ago, some young people got up, had breakfast and went to school. Just like they did every day. No different than us right here in this room right now. And some maniac held a gun to their head and asked them if they were a Christian. And if they said yes, they were killed. And so that happened here in this country a few weeks ago. And it is a reality. And it's going to keep happening here. It's not going to go away. And so we're going to have to really realize that things are escalating now and you have to ask yourself what would you tell that guy well it's easy right now but when you have a gun pointed to your head that's a whole different story they say that those guys when isis goes to cut their head off and they demand that they claim allah as god they won't do it why is that because of the grace that uh, that is theirs and they know that God is real because they have had a radical conversion, a radical calling, and it's different now. And as you examine your own life, see the differences between when you were saved and when you weren't. You know, Check it out and analyze and see the differences that's going on. And, and you will see how changed things are. How different life is <clears throat> and check this out this is the coolest thing we have all kinds of trials and stuff but there's in the middle of this thing he says innocence and purity knowledge and spiritual insight long suffering and patience kindness um, being in the Holy Spirit in unfeigned love that's yours too 
Oh, we talk about the persecutions and I can stand up here and I can talk about them and beware of them forever and ever and ever. And oh yeah, it's going to happen. And you got to be strong. And when those guys come to beat you just like Sothenes, you're going to have to stand up and get saved and it's going to be killer. And don't be afraid and be a wuss and go to the man meeting. (laughs) All that stuff. Did you sleep with everything that moved when you weren't saved? Did you have sex all the time? Did you get drunk all the time? Did you smoke all kinds of dope and do all kinds of stupid stuff? You know? You know, where you thought of as the, as, you know, just, you know, the, the town slut or the dog or the whatever and all that kind of stuff. He says that you have innocence and purity in Christ and you are a new creation. All things have passed away all things become new. You are no longer like that. That is not you anymore. You are not like that. He has removed that sin and you are not that. And you have kindness now for people and things that you never had before. Things have changed. You now have spiritual insight. You have knowledge about things. You have patience where you didn't have patience before. You have love for others that you've never had before. Now I can squash all that stuff and a lot of times I have. And I still do. I don't want to have kindness for this guy or that guy. And I don't want to, and I don't want to, to be nice to these people or show kindness and things. You know, I get angry and I, and I you know, get hard and all that kind of stuff. But you know what? He breaks that stuff down and after a while it starts to diminish and go away and I can't stay in it. It's not anything different than like Jeremiah who said, you know what, I'm not going to preach for you anymore, man, because I am sick and tired of getting thrashed every time I open my mouth. And these guys ain't never going to get saved anyways, and I'm tired of it, and so I'm not going to do it anymore, and I'm just going to shut my mouth. And he said, man, it just welled up inside of him to the point to where he just had to keep preaching. He couldn't stop. He had to keep doing it because God wouldn't allow him you know, not to speak. So your calling, it, it, it's, it's this. This is where you're at. If you're waiting for God to tell you what your calling is, well, you got it. There it is. In honors and in dishonors, in defaming and evil report, praise and good report, branded deceivers are vindicated, being truthful and honest unknown and ignored by the world, well-known and recognized by God and His people. This is the coolest thing. And this is the truth. How many times have you been in a store or you've been walking around somewhere and you look at someone and you know they're a Christian? Just, and you, haven't, you don't even have to talk to them. You know it. You just know that they are. Or you go to another church and people welcome you in and, and, and you feel part of a family and, and you're, you know miles and miles away from here or your church family here and you know but you go somewhere else and they welcome you in and stuff and you feel part of that because you're welcomed in because we are all brothers and sisters in one family yeah i know you can't choose your family and you know and all that kind of stuff but hey you know it's cool so then <clears throat> and then he says dying yet alive chastened but not killed. 
So there is your calling. There is your place. This is the spot that God is, if you're waiting for your calling, it's to share the gospel where you are in life right now. That's your calling and how God wants you to do it. And you can live this, you know, and, 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 and be used by Him in whatever manner. And, and you're going to be surprised that as you just ask God to just use you where you are, soon things are going to change and you're going to start being used. But man, I don't want to be used. You know, this is weird. I don't want people, I, I just want to just try to get to heaven, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Just relax. He's going to give you the words. He's going to set you up, you know, and that sort of thing. He's going to give you a desire to start coming to more stuff here. We got all kinds of Bible studies going on here. There's all kinds of things happening here. Make yourself available. If you want to learn more, teach. They need Sunday school teachers. I hate kids. It, it's okay. <laughs> Relax. You know? You know, you don't even have to have your own kids in your class. It's okay. You can, you can teach other people's kids. Just make yourself available. If you can teach Sunday school, you can teach anything. Trust me. You know, if you can get involved with the youth, you're like a hundred times more of a Christian than I'll ever be. <clears throat> it's true, right? Yeah. Right. So, you know, make yourself available to God in whatever manner and however manner He wants to use you and give it a shot. I don't know if I'm supposed to teach in Sunday school. We'll go check it out anyways. You know, that wasn't for me, you know, and stuff, you know, and and, uh, and so just try different things and see where God wants to go. Or if he lays something on your heart and he's going to use you in some way, then talk with Pastor Daniel, Pastor Zeke, myself. You know, lay it out there. See what happens. You never know. God's going to lay things on you that he's not going to tell us so that you will then become part of this and you will move forward and say, hey, what about this? What about this? That's what he wants. We're a family, and he's going to use us so that we can take the gospel, you know, uh, to the community, and we can affect the place that we live, and that's his desire to do that. And so let's go back to 1 Corinthians here and look at, chapter, look at verse 2. <clears throat> it's a cool thing here how God sets this up. What we're, scripture we're going to look at here is about how we are in Christ. And Pastor Daniel, when he teaches next week, is going to start at verse 10, and he's going to be teaching about, um, you know, how we walk, you know. And so that's quite a bit different than how God has placed us and, you know, what it is that we do with it. And so it's, uh, it's an interesting correlation here. And, um, but right now, this is the coolest scripture, because when you read through this, and it's like, wow. This is ours. Take it to the bank. It's yours. It's for real. Um, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints with all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus that you were enriched in everything by him in all utterance and all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you, came sh that you come short in no gift, 
eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will also confirm you to the end that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. This is such a cool description here. Make sure I find my place. Okay, good. To the church of God, well, let's just say in feeling that, to those purified, made holy in Christ Jesus, called to be God's people with all those who in any place call upon and give honor to the name of our Lord Jesus. Favor and spiritual blessing be to you and peace of heart from our God and Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he thanks God for all the, the, the time from this favor and spiritual blessing so that in every respect you are enriched to speak your faith with and complete knowledge and illumination. To sp- boldly speak with full understanding. This is us in Christ. Man, I don't know if I can... I can do that. I don't know if I can speak up. I don't, I don't know if, you know, I don't know what to say. And what if I look stupid and stuff like that? You're talking about the Holy Spirit filling you. You're talking about the Holy Spirit using you. And you're talking about how, how God is going to speak and touch hearts. He's already laying a foundation in that person or whatever and and softening their heart however he wants to do it. You may be the third, fifth, tenth, 20th who knows you don't know where you are or or how he's going to use you in the line you don't know but he's setting it up speak in faith and trust him for where it's going to go and yeah you might get shot down but that's okay i had a friend who every time it just seemed like he would always draw people to him that that just never did want to hear it, and they'd just be in his face all the time. You know, he's even had a gun stuck in his face before. Get out of here, you know? Didn't stop him, you know? He just went on to the next guy. You know, that was just the way it was. And he was a very mellow and a very relaxed person and, and a very kind person. He was not the kind of guy that was loud or boisterous or jumping on people or nothing. He was just a very relaxed guy, but it was the message because it smells of death and people don't want to hear it but that doesn't mean that you got saved i got saved and because of that then that means then they're going to get saved too and so we want to be used by god in that manner and so we want to have a standing we have a standing in christ we want to boldly speak and with a full understanding and he goes on and says in this way witnessing concerning christ was confirmed and established and made sure in you lacking no spiritual gifts and that we're just waiting for the return of the lord jesus this is a radical calling and it's all of ours it's not any different for for you for me for the apostle here for these guys the great martyrs or the guys you know down the street or whatever that are saved the calling is the same we are to share the gospel of christ and so i can't sit on in one spot and just wait 
I just want to sh be sh sharing however, wherever it is that he has placed us to be. I want my life to reflect Christ. I want people to see that. I don't want to be a covert Christian. I can do that. I can slip through the cracks and I can try to keep people from really knowing it so that people won't think I'm some kind of a freak or anything. But I mean, I'm already there. I'm arrived. I'm already a freak. You know, I was really a messed up person before I ever got saved. I'm not a, I'm not, I'm a contrary person. It's, it's my natural bent. I, I don't take things at face value. You know, if everybody was going to drink the Kool-Aid, I wouldn't because I probably wouldn't like that flavor. I mean, I, I'm one of those guys that's always going to question everything. Well, what about, why don't we do this? Well, what about that? Well, why don't we do, oh, I don't know. You know, I, I, I'm mealy mouth and whiny and I'm, you know, I mean, it, you know, I've got a whole list of stuff. And then my favorite pastime is worry. I've told you that before. And I enjoy that. And so, you know, I, I am, but, but Christ moved in my life and he brought me to a place where he says that you are no longer of that world. And you are my child, and I love you. And then here it's like we have, you know, I have his favor and his spiritual blessings, and I have a peace of heart from God and the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. These things are all mine, they're all yours. If you got saved and you have received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that is the mo biggest, most amazing miracle that has ever happened. It is the most awesome thing that has ever been. And when they cheer and have that party up in heaven because you received Christ, that it isn't just some words on the page and going, yeah, the angels are happy, yeah, that's cool. You know, no, man, they are like freaking because they know what you are. They know what you're capable of. They know where you've been. And now you're a child of God. And this description here is you. It's not a maybe. It is you. Yeah, but man, you don't know what I've been doing lately. That's cool. God does. All you got to do is tell him and change. Well, you know, yeah. Well, but you got to change. Because you have the reality before you. This is, this is a wonderful, wonderful thing that you have come to. And if you don't know Him, or you've made this of no purpose, change that today. Don't, uh, today is the day of salvation. You cannot remain in that. It's now time to make that change so that it doesn't remain that way. Don't leave here. If you've never asked Him to be Lord and Savior, do that today. Come down here and, and, and there will be prayer teams and stuff. You know? But come down here and, and make that a reality. If you need to rededicate, make it a reality. Let's pray. Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we, we just uh, are in awe of what You've done, Lord. Lord, as we sang in every song, uh, just praises to you and, and for our salvation and for the way that you've moved and how much you love us and to actually now then to, to
to recognize and realize just what this means. It's just, it's mind-boggling. It's, it's just incredible. Father, forgive us for, for our fleeting times and, and those t- places where we go that we don't belong and, and we, we grieve you and, and we cause you to weep for us because of our hard-heartedness. And, and we know that these things that you've given us is just incredible. Give us strength and rest and peace in you, Father. Help us to just focus on you, to rely on your spirit, to know you better, and that you be glorified. Father, we honor and worship you, and we give this time over to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Again.